0: On this episode, we interviewed the ambulatory care pharmacy supervisor at UTMB. Hope you enjoy. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host Richard Waith. I am excited about today's episode. We have Dr. Vinay Epin the ambulatory care pharmacy supervisor at UTMB. Vinay, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. Huge fan.
0: So this is going to be an exciting episode. You have a lot going on, which I'm really excited to dive into um, around the specialty, you know, pharmacy space within a health system. Um, so this is going to be really interesting to learn a lot of these different details about the things that you and the organization have been working on. But um, before we get into all that, can you first just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Let's kind of jump into your, like your pharmacy beginnings and and things like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So yeah, my name is Vinay Epen, pharmacy supervisor at UTMB. Um, Initially started off uh, coming out of school, uh, took a job with Kroger, Kroger Pharmacy as a retail pharmacist. So that's where my beginning was, you know, enjoyed it. Good patient interaction, got to work with uh, a good staff at Kroger's. Uh, it was during a stage where the traditional route of a pharmacist was kind of uh, evolving, right? We were getting more clinical, so a lot of MTMs, uh, giving vaccinations. It was uh, kind of at the height of that. So got some good experience uh, as a retail pharmacist. Uh, and then four to five years of uh, staying as a retail pharmacist, obviously you know, with reimbursement models changing and pharmacy um, the whole, whole environment in retail, uh, as everyone knows, has kind of changed. Um, a lot of pressure. My job just kind of grew kind of mundane, right? So I was like, you know, there's got to be more out there, right? Cause getting out of school, I was like, you know what? Just need to find a job. Uh, <laughs> you know, wanted, was kind of done with school, wanted to make some money, of course, like, like everyone else, right? Um, so I took a retail pharmacy job with Kroger's, good for four or five years, got kind of mundane, kind of repetitive. Uh, and that's when I was like, you know what, there's got to be more out there, right? Um, and, you know, I was wanting more growth professionally. Uh, and that's where I, you know, stumbled upon this opportunity at the University of Texas Medical Branch uh, here at the Leak City campus, um, got the opportunity to become a supervisor. And what they were looking for is to grow the ambulatory program, really looking for, you know, they have three outpatient pharmacies within a health system. It's a growing space. Uh, and at the location I'm at, the the goal was to grow the specialty pharmacy business, very lucrative market, a lot of good that pharmacists can do in this space. Um, and that's where I kind of came in, came under some good leadership. Um, you know, I, I work with a guy by the name of Zin King, Z, it goes by the name of Z and Monica Green, great clinical um, pharmacist and a good team downstairs. So well, that, that's kind of where I started and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm interested to talk today about the whole health system specialty pharmacy push.
0: Yeah. So let's dive into that. You know, what is the significance of kind of a specialty pharmacy within a health system? Like, why is that even a thing? Um, Let's talk about like, you know, what that journey was like and and where maybe you can give us an update as to what the status is now and, and, um, you know, as much background as possible for maybe people that don't know, you know, why even have a specialty pharmacy inside of a health system. So I'm excited to dive into this.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good question. And a lot of of people, even in pharmacy, right, prior to me taking this job here at UTMB, I was like, what's a specialty medication? To me, like what makes a medication special, right? So usually these are drugs that are costly. I think CMS defines a specialty medication as anything above $670, right? These are usually high, very expensive, used to treat complex disease states like hepatitis C, HIV, oncology, you know, your r- rheumatoid arthritis or Crohn's. Um, usually these are um, require special handling a lot more touch points than your traditional prescription, right? So you have a pharmacist who's maybe contacting a patient three, four times more than a normal prescription, right? Just to make sure they know how to take the medication, um, refill calls, uh, adherence. And then a lot of these specialty medications are are biologics, right? So they require cold chain management, and that in itself is its own has its own complexities, right? So as a pharmacy, you're mailing out cold chain products, ensuring that integrity isn't compromised, right? So with the whole specialty, so that, that's basically what a specialty medication is, right? A lot more complex. And for a health system like UTMB, which has plenty of specialty doctors, you have a lot of growth and opportunity. You have a lot of specialty medications that are being prescribed, right? A lot of these medications leave the health system and go to different pharmacies. And when they do, a lot of these medications require what's called a prior authorization, right? So it's usually entrance is saying, hey, this medication is super expensive, we're going to need you to justify why this patient needs to get started on this therapy. And in that, you know, a lot of times a prescription sent to a pharmacy, then take back to the clinic to complete the prior authorization. That's basically where, you know, the clinic nurse or staff, or in our case, a lot of our, our pharmacy staff helps with this process is we'll validate why this patient needs to be on this therapy with an ICD-10 code and then chart notes, right? That's the one advantage of being a health system pharmacy. You have access to an EMR. You know, you have access to why this patient was started on therapy, chart notes, labs, references. So as a pharmacist, you're tooled with everything you need to properly take care of this patient. Whereas an outside pharmacy like a Walgreens CVS, you, you don't have access to an EMR. You, you just have a prescription and you have the dose, the directions. You know, you don't have anything else to say, hey, let me look into this for the patient and make sure there's no drug interactions. Make sure, you know, there's nothing else that I need to let this patient know. So with the health system specialty pharmacy, a lot of opportunity to grow the business, right? Because that's a lot of revenue. Secondly, a lot of these clinics have patients who are prescribed therapy, never started on therapy. Patient abandonment in the specialty pharmacy space is really high. You yeah, a lot of medications are really expensive. Usually, even with insurance approval, you're, you're, you're still needing copay assistance and relief. And, you know, a lot of times other pharmacies are not willing to go the extra effort to find those resources. Uh, for the patient, whereas our pharmacy, since we collaborate with a lot of our clinics, we we find patient copay assistance, and there's all kinds of funds and resources available um, out there. Uh, and you know, a lot of people just don't know about it. So that's one thing we're able to do. The other thing is this with with the revenue that you bring in from specialty medications, you know you have a lot of health a lot of health systems with robust specialty programs um, with that revenue, you're able to say, hey, let's reinvest in the program and hire pharmacists and specialized technicians to come in and reinvigorate the program, right? Let's, let's have our pharmacists doing what they were, you know, went to school for, right? With, with all the education they get on medication adherence therapy, um, let's put them in clinics with doctors to really make an impact on healthcare. And that's kind of what we've been able to do from our first year of success, um, is really, you know, get those positions approved for a pharma clinical pharmacist in specialty clinics, as well as prior technicians or advanced level technicians to give them a career ladder to say, hey, if I'm a technician, there's opportunity for me as well, where I can make an impact equally um, as a pharmacist. So, yeah, that's that's really why there's been a huge push.
0: Now, what's it been, like, where does a health system start? Like, what if, let's say you, you sh- which it sounds like you might have done, but like, let's say you show up to a health system and you're like, okay, we need, we need, we want a specialty pharmacy here. How does, how does a health system start? Like, what's that plan, and strategy behind that sort of look like?
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually funny, right? Because uh, when I first got out, you know, I was like, oh man, this is an opportunity. I can leave retail. This is my great escape, right? I've been waiting for this opportunity. Get here and, you know, my, my boss is like, hey, here's a huge Excel file. It has all the prescribing data you need just look through it you know tell me what the opportunity is and i you know i kind of was like okay yeah sure no problem you know even though i've never done a project like that before right when you're stuck in retail you're doing the same task each and every day don't get me wrong my retail pharmacists do some excellent work and they make a huge impact but you know this was a different type of skill set that i wasn't used to right so basically if you have prescribing data right because you need ammunition like that to say hey these are my opportunities. These are the disease states. This is the specialty scripts that are being prescribed by our health system. These are things we can actually go after capture in our own in-house retail pharmacy. So for these patients, right? So when I got here, I went through an Excel file with a million line items and started just saying, hey, these are specialty medications. Which ones are actually being prescribed at our health system? Let's kind of look at the opportunity and the growth that's available. And then let's set up meetings with clinics, providers, nurses, and let them know, hey, these are prescriptions we can actually fill for our patients. This is why we would do a better job than sending it to a, you know, a big box pharmacy that's located, you know, in another state. Kind of what PBMs do now, right? They they kind of steer prescriptions to, towards their own pharmacies, right? So whereas we were in-house, we know we can take care of the patient faster because we have access to Epic we can contact the patient, we can keep the whole care team, um, you know, kind of aware of what's going on with the patient. So yeah, that that was kind of what you do if you're a health system, you know, a lot of health systems will have outside companies come out and give them a pro forma and say, hey, this is your area of opportunity. This is what you got going on. We kind of did it internally because we wanted to validate what other companies already told us. And I think that's your best route.
0: And then there's those the accreditation part of it, right? Like URAC or, yep. or ACHC. Did you already go through that process, or is that still something that that's kind of um, to be determined?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and we're we're a fairly young specialty pharmacy program. We're learning and growing. So URAC accreditation nowadays, most specialty pharmacies or especially health system specialty pharmacies will have uh, dual accreditation. So you'll need to get both to kind of validate yourself, right, and get access to certain drugs and certain. Uh, networks with pvm so yeah we don't have uh your accreditation or a chc that is our next step this next year is really our growth with our with our pharmacy team and growing our clinical pharmacist and, and advanced level technicians
0: makes sense I, I think you had went through kind of what a specialty medication was but um something that was new to me and i'm, I'm curious to hear kind of how you describe it to someone who's never heard of it before Um, What is a limited distribution drug? Um, Can you explain like what that entails and and kind of what that means in the specialty pharmacy world?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and to your point, what our strategy was initially was just go after open distribution drugs. You have open distribution drugs, which pretty much most pharmacies, health systems, specialty pharmacies will have access to. And then after you get accredited, you're like, you know what, let's go after limited distribution drugs. So limited distribution drugs are, Um, drugs that are limited by the manufacturer to certain select pharmacies so they can control who's, you know, the patient population that's getting this. Um, And just not everybody is dispensing this medication that's very costly, needs a lot of patient, um, patient and pharmacist interaction to make sure the patient's taking it appropriately and being monitored on a daily basis. So usually pharmacies that have their best practices evaluated by a, a URAC or an HCHC is able to, you know, that's usually when manufacturers and um, different wholesale distributors give you access to a limited distribution drug. A lot of your oral oncology medications are limited distribution drugs.
0: And sometimes, like, it's very limited. Like, I think sometimes it's only, like, one pharmacy, right, that would be able to yep. serve a yep. certain drug, right? Like, like limited is, like, real special, <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's only a certain pharmacies that have access to it. So for a patient, it's kind of, it's kind of hard, right? Like, wait a minute, I, there's only one pharmacy that I can't even get a hold of, or there's not someone I can call, um, <laughs> you know, where I can discuss this medication, right? It's not really an, it's an, it's not an intimate experience. Like, you know, because most patients, they want that one-on-one experience, right? They want someone who's knowledgeable to reach out to them. So if you're, if you're telling me another pharmacy in another state is the only pharmacy that can provide this medication, you know, usually it's not a good experience for the patient. And really, I feel like they make it really tough for patients um, to get started on certain therapies. Right. Um, and some of that is deliberate, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like I, the the reason I had learned about what a limited distribution drug was, because at VUCA, you know, we create medications, you know, education videos, and um, we had a pharmacy reach out to us that was serving a limited distribution drug. They were the only pharmacy to use this specific medication. And, I, and it was the first time I had heard about like the whole limited distribution drug situation. So I was like, wait a second. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but then I, you know, obviously I started learning more about the medication and it was like not only is it you know biologic and things like that but it's like 80 grand a dose you know so it's like it's crazy expensive um and then you know the 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 manufacturer required so much education um like before getting the dose after it and that's kind of where they used us to to kind of help create that, that that patient education video content for the patients um but yeah very very interesting world that is and you know hearing how pharmacies are setting up their best practices to try to you know kind of almost sell themselves as a great partner to be, you know, one of the limited distribution providers. So it's a really interesting world. Yeah, exactly. And
1: then and that's how me and you had touched base, Richard, on the QR codes and the and the videos you had created because when you look at who needs those kind of videos, if you look at specialty pharmacy, like 50% of the medications being biologics. In this day and age where QR codes post-COVID are super important. Why not have a QR code on a prescription label where, you know, a patient goes home, right, gets a counsel, feels comfortable, then when they're getting ready to administer a drug, you're like, you know what? I kinda of forgot how to give this. They don't I mean, a lot of us are computer savvy. A lot of us know if we weren't in the pharmacy world, we wouldn't know where to go, right? But you have a QR code to take a picture and I have a pharmacist in my home saying, Hey, this is how you take the medication. These are important, important pointers. So something definitely we're we're looking into uh in this new year of growth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be something we can work together on. I mean, the, the content is definitely helpful for obviously some of these high touch, complex, um, you know, patient education situations. But it's also we're also starting to see some outcomes around like improving um, adherence and um, just you know having a whole overall impact and, and increase patient engagement. So um, hopefully we'll 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 have exactly. another episode and, and talk about the success that you've had <laughs> uh, one day. When, yeah, when, when yeah when that. definitely. <laughs> We have baseline
1: adherence levels, So I'm interested to see, you know, when we do implement something like that, how we've taken that to the next next step, you know? Yeah.
0: All right. Let's let's talk about like insurances and and reimbursement around um, around, I guess, what your experiences have been uh, as you start to launch this uh, this specialty uh, pharmacy. Um, Give us some insights as to like what, you know, working with PBNs have been like contracting and, and those things.
1: Man, it is, you know, and I, before, when I was in retail, you know, when you work for a big box pharmacy, right, you're not privy to a lot of the stuff that happens behind the scenes, right? Like contracting, payer lockouts, what insurances are reimbursing you? You're kind of in the motions, going throughout the day, filling prescriptions, talking to patients, doing what you can to make an impact, right? But you're not, that's one of the the good things about being in a health system pharmacy, right? I've had the opportunity to learn you're kind of operating like an independent pharmacy. So all my independent pharmacy folks and friends that are out there, you know, that do great work that are locked out of filling prescriptions for patients because these major PBMs, right? There's four major PBMs that control 70 to 80% of the market, right? You have CVS Caremark, Express Scripts, Optum, Prime Therapeutics, right? Navidus is in there too. But, you know, those are your major um, players in the PBM market. And what I've learned is, you know, they make it really difficult um, to operate an independent pharmacy nowadays, right? So if you're not doing specialty scripts, where well, we're a health systems pharmacy, but we're also one big thing is we're a 340B health system specialty pharmacy. So because we because we take care of an indigent patient population, we're able to get a, a lot of drugs at a discounted rate, right? Um, and we're able to bill insurance and use the the proceeds and the revenues to take care of a lot of our Our charity folks, right? We have a huge indigenous population that has access issues, where we're able to help provide for them. You know, UTMB, the institution I work for, does a great job of historically of taking care of patients who don't have insurance, who are unfunded, um, without them leaving the hospital without their medication. So, I think that's that's a good thing we do here. But yeah, with PBMs, I've learned, you know, payer lockouts are a thing, right? Specialty prescriptions. One in four prescriptions that most specialty pharmacies get, payer lockout, meaning depending on what this patients pharmacy benefits is usually if it's a commercially insured patient usually if it's express Scripts, CVS care mark they're like hey unfortunately you'll have to fill through us right and the reason they steer these prescriptions is it's lucrative for them right there's a lot of vertical integration going on right now right where health plans pbms are all owned by the same entity so they try to keep the revenue funneled within those entities right so that's yeah it's It's kind of hard to operate in this space but if you have a game plan and you strategize uh, the good thing is we take care of a good payer mix of uh, medicaid and medicare and those are any willing providers so you can't really get steered out It, it makes it harder to steer those patients from filling out your pharmacy so that's um that's a good thing but i think with getting accredited we'll we'll get specialty pharmacy contracts that help us to take care of more patients than we are currently doing.
0: Now, I wasn't going to plan on asking about 340B, and, and I feel like that's like a whole another episode that I probably need to do at some point because um, <laughs> of how complicated yeah. that world is, as well. But can you maybe just give a super high level description as to exactly what you know what it means to be a 340B organization?
1: Yeah, 340B drug program. I think it was implemented in like 1990, 1992. Right, it's a federal drug program that stretches scarce federal resources. Right, so cer- certain covered entities, like the in- institution I work for. Is a 340B covered entity, right? Because of the charitable, because of the indigent population we take care of, and there's some calculation they do with CMS to determine if you're a covered, you know, if you qualify. But once you qualify, our retail pharmacies are able to purchase drugs from our wholesale distributor, whoever you use, you know, Cardinal McKesson, Morrison Dixon. Um, you can purchase these drugs at a discounted rate. So whereas a normal pharmacy would pay, you know, five thousand dollars for a Humira prescription, we get it at a discounted rate. Uh, sometimes even a dollar or penny, you know? So it's a huge discount we get. And that's the advantage of operating in this, in this in a 340B space. Yeah,
0: that's, that's quite significant. And I, I, I don't know enough. And this is, again, I'm probably gonna need to really bring, um, um, really have like a full episode on 340B, but there's been like controversy around it as well, right? Around yep. like, can exactly. you, yeah, can exactly. you, what, what's like the, the core of that? Yeah, the
1: core of that is contract pharmacies, right? I think for the past four or five years, the to b drug program, I think, has opened it up to where, let's say my institution, a covered entity, right? The patient wants to fill a prescription. They've opened it up to where any pharmacy, and Walgreens, CVS are notorious for this. They have the most amount of contract pharmacies out there where they can fill prescriptions for a lot of these patients. So they're basically getting a lot of these drugs for cheap because the, the covered entity, which is the institution um, is able to procure that drug and they'll get the drug for cheap and they'll dispense it to these patients and they get the revenues from it. So, you know,
0: there's a lot of, uh,
1: there's a lot of people, Adam Fine, I think is one of them who writes about the 340B exploitation by a lot of these contract pharmacy arrangements. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people who use the 340B program, um, and change from the intent of it and try to make money off of it. So I think that's where it gets a lot of that backlash from.
0: Gotcha, and he's the one that leads the um. Was it Drug Channels? I think is his blog yep. or something like that. Yep. It's really good. I would definitely great great to,
1: blog yeah. by the way. If you want to learn anything about like PBMs and reimbursement models and just economics and pharmacy, like that is your that's your bread and butter. It's a good yeah. place to start.
0: He's one of the few people in pharmacy that I have like my Twitter notifications on for, because <laughs> um, he always has like breaking yeah. news or just something good. I'm like, man, this guy's on it. Um, yeah, he's on it,
1: man. I I can get lost on Drug Channels. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, well, let's get into kind of one of the one of the one of the real reasons I wanted to also have you on um, to, to you know, potentially present some opportunities for um, other pharmacists and, and pharmacy technicians out there that might be listening. So give us um, give us an understanding as to like what like what's next for um, for UTMB and, and the pharmacy that you're uh, you're supervising.
1: Yeah, definitely. So in this new year, the team I'm working with, you know, the people I mentioned earlier, great leadership. We're looking for talent the country, right? People, so the pharmacist positions that we got embedded are clinical pharmacists, usually PGUI one PGY2, trained p- individuals, pharmacists that can come into a, a clinic, work with providers, right? Be part of the care team and really make an impact. Um, a lot of times when these clinicians, clinical pharmacists are in there, they're, you know, they're operating under a collaborative practice agreement, right? A CPA where they're able to have prescriptive authority, you know, do refill calls, do you know complete comprehensive medication reviews with patients when they get started on therapy that continuity of care we're to really establish that which is non-existent in pharmacy right now right a lot of times with provider status and us trying to validate what we do as pharmacists this is a great opportunity for pharmacists to come in you know and really make an impact in the clinics and show the care team hey this is what pharmacy can do for our patients right so that that's on the on the clinical pharmacist role, um, as far as advanced level technicians, we have physicians that have posted where they'll be helping patients get started on therapy. And you know, a lot of times technicians in retail, they get lost in you know just doing the same thing and there's no career ladder for them. Whereas here, we have an opportunity for a technician to really stand out and get patients started on therapy, work with clinics, work with nurses, work with doctors, uh, and really help patients um, out from, the, from start to finish. Uh, Throughout the whole specialty pharmacy journey. So I'm really excited about the opportunities that we've created. Um, I I think this is what we've been waiting for. You know, I think the, the world of pharmacy has been looking for pharmacists to make an impact. And these are the areas, you know, a lot of times you get out of school and you're like, I can be a retail pharmacist or an inpatient pharmacist. Well, no, not a UTMB. You know, you have plenty of opportunities to really grow.
0: So what is there like a specific number of positions um, that we can we can talk about? I'm not sure if, if those specifics are, are hashed out yet. And then um, also where like if someone wanted to and, and I, I'm definitely gonna want to include this in the show notes as well, but um, where would someone kind of go to learn more or or maybe even potentially apply for some of these positions?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um UTMB.edu is a good place to start and look at career opportunities within pharmacy. Um, I think that's a good place to see, hey, what is, what is available out there. Um, and then also we're six positions have been approved for clinical pharmacist, you know, for this cu- upcoming year and that's, and that's growing. And then six advanced level pharmacy technician positions that have been posted. And that's just in one year of like, you know, we've been kind of growing at rapid pace, but we've, you know, anytime you bring in revenue to a health system, you get, you know, you get the executives to kind of take notice and you're like, Hey, what do you need now? You know, cause usually it's like, no, we don't want to do pharmacy. We don't know enough about pharmacy, but when they start seeing revenue and they start seeing the impact you make, they're like, Hey, what do you need? You know, what are the resources you need? How can we help you? So that's kind of where we're at. So we're excited about this year growing the program and really, you know, making a huge impact.
0: And what's exciting about this as well is, is the testament of, obviously everyone knows this. It's not like, you know, super like unknown or anything like the the job market is very tough right now for pharmacy. And you know, but it's also just good to know that as things start to, you know, be difficult in one area, there's other opportunities in, in different areas. And, and I think your what you've done there and, and what your organization has done there is, is an example of that. Like if you can build something great, um, you know, be able to demonstrate the impact and the value it could have and then actually actually generate revenue behind it. Um, you know, you start to create opportunities for other pharmacists out there and, and other technicians. So um, really great to hear what, what you all are doing there.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and I I can't go without leaving the episode and mentioning the team that I work with, you know, downstairs, like the actual operations folks, like great pharmacists, super advanced level technician, you know, like great work that's stemmed from there. So it's been good to see, right? Because you start off, I feel like we're a startup, right? Like you start off with a small team, and you work hard, and you don't really know what you're doing, right? Because like, you know, I came from retail, we didn't do specialty medication. So it's been cool to see the growth in that, right, where we started off doing one or two specialty scripts, and now we're doing over 150 specialty scripts, right, like, per month, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's good to see that growth that we've had, right, and, you know, I, I think a lot of times pharmacists, you know, we're out there, we're not really plugged in, right, you leave school, you're in APHA, ASHP, and then you start working, and you just, you're not really plugged into the industry or the, or the, what's going on nationally, right, where I think, like, LinkedIn helps, being plugged in, getting colleagues, you know, meeting someone like you, you know, who's like really plugged in and growing. Like, honestly, the biggest the platform that I've learned the most out of is podcasting, right? Like, huge kudos to you and guys like Mike Coulter, you know, Business of Pharmacy podcast. A lot of it podcasts you can learn so much, and then you can gather interest because if you don't know, you don't know. You know, mm-hmm. you won't know until you're actually plugged in. So.
0: Yeah, and the, net, the, the networking potential on social media is actually pretty ridiculous. And, and I feel like, you know, whether, it be, whether it's because you found a, a podcast and then, you know, you just started getting insight on the industry or whether you're like just really active on Twitter and you know how to use it as a tool of networking where you can almost find anyone in any industry um, to connect with on there. I mean, it's definitely heavily underutilized.
1: Yep, exactly. I think people are starting to think outside the box nowadays, you know, <laughs> and they're using the different platforms to kind of grow their their business or, you know, whatever idea they have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely a place to to get plugged in.
0: Yeah, like one, one example is like people, I don't think people know this, but like, and you can do this on LinkedIn also. I usually do it on Twitter, but like I, you can search a sentence, you know, you can search like word phrases to see who's said the words, specialty pharmacy accreditation in a tweet you know and usually if you find that tweet that person that tweeted that is probably someone you might want to connect with you know if you want to be in the specialty pharmacy space and you could search these things on in twitter or on linkedin and whatever and you know obviously i just randomly came up with three words that's related to this episode but you could throw in anything there and and connect with people and it's it's kind of wild that's crazy right
1: (laughs) that's wild man but but the good thing is if you want to know what's going on out there, like, look, you have all the resources at your fingertips, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, yeah. well, last question, the bonus question I, I ask, I'm gonna ask you that I ask all my guests. You get one person that you get to take out to dinner or you get to have dinner with, who would that person be and why? Um, can't be a past president and they have to be alive. <laughs> so it's not like the whole alive or dead thing. Like I, I like to know they, that person has to be alive so we can appreciate them while they're here. So you get one person, they have to be famous, so they have to have like a Wikipedia page.
1: You know, it's, since we're talking pharmacy and I've been so plugged in in pharmacy the past couple of years, I would say Antonio Chacha, since I'm interested in contracting and really pushing the the pharmacy world, like he's really made a huge impact on pharmacy, right? So someone like him, who's kind of going after the PBMs, I wouldn't mind, you know, chopping it up with him and just, you know, picking his brain.
0: Give us like an intro, like what, um, who is he, what does he do?
1: Yeah, yeah, So Antonio Tasha is well known in the whole pharmacy business right now. I think he's he's not even a pharmacist, but he's you know he's part of um, the Ohio Pharmacists Association. Has really taken a stance against PBMs. He he works at Brooklyn Forty Six. That's a company that he has where he looks into pricing uh, and how pharmacies are ripping off you know independent pharmacies right with under reimbursing them on. On, on medications um, and really kind of taking them, you know, and putting them accountable. Or he's really exploited like the Texas, the Ohio Medicaid program um, in Ohio. And has done a lot of good things, gotten a lot of national recognition. I I think he's someone we need on our side, right? And yeah. he, he's fighting for faucets. So yeah, someone like him would be someone I'd want to go to dinner with. <laughs> Definitely,
0: awesome how can people connect back with you if they wanted to, to connect? I know you had mentioned the website um, for people to check out for like the, the, any available opportunities from um, an applicant perspective, but what about just connecting um, in general? What's the best way for people to connect back with you?
1: Definitely. I would say LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a good way of uh, reaching out to me. I usually get back to you pretty quickly. So yeah, just find me on LinkedIn. Email address is on there. Just email me or, you know, LinkedIn, and we can, we can touch base and, Awesome. We go from there.
0: Well, Vinay, this was a really good episode. Thank you for your time and your insights. Really appreciate it.
1: Awesome, Richard. I really appreciate it as well.
0: Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I'm going to include all of the uh, links to connect back with uh, Vinay and UTMB in the show notes. Um, So if you're interested in one of those positions, make sure um, to check out what's available. Also, don't forget to follow RX Radio on social media, um, whether that be Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. there